passionate about the truth of God's Word and will tell you like it is, Autumn Miles is best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 17 years, and mom of four kids, and not to mention, everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. Hey, hey, guys, it is your girl, Autumn Miles, back at you with another super fresh, fun podcast. I am so glad that you are joining us today. I've got a couple thoughts right out the gate. I've got a couple thoughts. You guys, listen, you guys know my five-year-old princess named Haven. Okay. Last week, Haven... We went to Target, um, which is is kind of a risky thing to do with a five and a six-year-old and a 12 and a 15-year-old and a 38-year-old, which would be my husband and myself, who's 40. Uh, but we, we all went and it's like, you know, game on when we go because everyone has their little sections that they want to go and they want to, to hang out in and they want to shop in and that kind of stuff. So uh, Grace and I are looking at like the yoga pant section and like like the workout athleisure, as the young kids are calling it, section. And it overcomes Haven, who is five, and she's got this box. And I'm I'm uh, very intrigued. She is smiling as she's walking towards me. And I am intrigued as to what she could have found at Target. She walks right up to me, and she hands me this box. And it is none other than a self uh, face painting kit to which every mom who was listening, um, you know, clutches their pearls. I, like I did not want to buy this for my child. She loves face painting ever since she was one. And she saw like a little leopard painted face at the zoo. She has been obsessed with face painting. And I, I, <sighs> Don't tell anybody this, but I hate face painting. I think it's dirty. I think who, what other person has has used the same brush that you're using on all these kids? Like, is it clean? Then I personally would not want to walk around with paint on my face for like a whole day looking like a giraffe or like a clown or like uh, whatever else that you paint on faces. Face painting, not my thing. But Haven is obsessed. I don't know what it is about it that she loves, but she always asks, especially at Disney, where it costs, you know, $75 to get your face painted. She's like, Mom, I please, Mother, Mother, I love you. Can I get my face painted? Uh, and we've never let her, not one time, because it's too expensive. <laughs> but she found her own kit at Target, and she was like caressing this box of face paints and she was saying mom I love you I love you mom and I love this face paint and I'm thinking oh my goodness how am I going to take this face paint away from her because it's clearly cheaper than the Disney World one-off face paint we go up to the register and um, my giant softy husband walks up and she's like father can I please purchase this face paint? And Eddie looks at me and I look at him and I kind of give one of those shrugs. Like, I mean, what are we going to do? We purchase the face paint. The next day she um, comes down for breakfast and um, she's carrying the face paint. She has slept in her bed with the box of face paint because we told her it's late. We're not going to put paint on your face. 
that night, um, I am not a good artist, but Cassie, which a lot of you guys know who Cassie is, my assistant slash amazing person, she is recently very um, into painting. And I thought Cassie would be a perfect person to paint Haven's face. So when Haven got home from school, bless Cassie's ever-loving heart, she painted her face like, what was it? I think it was a rainbow. Actually, I don't even remember what it was. That's so sad that I didn't remember what it was. But it was beautiful. And she looked beautiful. And she looked so cute. Okay. Everything was going so well with the face paint so well. I had to take the older kids to practice and I come home, it's late. The kids are in bed. The little kids are in bed. They go to bed much earlier than the older kids. And I come home and I look at Eddie and I'm like, did the kids go down? Okay. Yeah. The kids went down. Okay. And then it hit me. Haven was wearing her face paint when she left. And I said, okay, well you did wipe off Haven's face paint from her face. And Eddie's like, no, I'm like, you let our child go to bed on her nice clean sheets with looking like a rainbow. Like, like what? He's like, well, she wanted to wear it. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I have to go upstairs. I get Haven and I break the news to her. And she's, she's not quite dozed off yet. She has me time at night. So she goes, we put her to bed and then she like lays in bed. And I don't know. I don't really know what she does. I hope she prays. I hope she prays during her me time, but I get her and I bring her downstairs. I'm like, listen, baby. For multiple reasons, we cannot go to sleep in face paint. The child's heart was broken. We're talking broken. Now, you you know as a mom when your kids have like fake cries and they're they're like faking it. She was devastated. And I mean absolutely devastated. She did not want that face paint to come off. She wanted to wear it. She wanted to wear it to school the next day. She just was so, I don't even know the word. It was like, it was like precious to her. And finally I told her, listen, we can do new face paint tomorrow. We we can do, we come home from school, you know, hopefully Cassie will be up for it. She can put new face paint on. Um, she really didn't believe me. She wanted the face paint that she had, but I got my little paper towel with water and started wiping her face. I mean, the girl was devastated. She was totally devastated. We got the face paint off. She went to bed. She finally went to sleep. Everything was okay. It was fine. Um, and the next day we repainted her face when she got home and have painted her face multiple times since. My point to this story is this. I couldn't help but think about her when she was clinging to this thing that she wanted desperately. She was clinging to it. She was holding on to it. You know, to a, to a five-year-old face paint is everything, but uh, this can be really um, made very relevant to you and me by, you know, relationships, by, um, you know, finances, by friends, by, you know, whatever it is. We, we sort of cling to something. We cling to it. And God sometimes asks us for that thing. And we can't 
seem to think that he's going to give it back to us at a later time in a fresh version, in a new version, in a new way. It's going to be better if we relinquish that thing that we are trying to cling on to so much. It's going to be better. Sometimes we cling on so much because we can't perceive or conceive that God would ever give us something better. And yet I have lived this very thing multiple times. And Haven in a five-year-old version was living it last week when she did not want to relinquish that face paint. She wanted to keep it. She wanted to keep it forever. She did not realize that it was old. It was crusty. It didn't look really good anymore. It was kind of, she had like wiped her face. It was like stripey. It was just tired and it needed to be retired for the night. She didn't really trust me that I was going to give her something new and fresh the next day by way of face paint. But you know what? I, as a mom, was faithful to her. And that next day, she got her face painted. It was fresh. It was new. And she loved it. And I think sometimes we don't trust God enough to relinquish things that we hold so, so dear. We don't trust him that he is going to replace, renew, refresh, or give us something greater if we just would let go of our control of that thing. Isn't that good? I was like, wow, there is Jesus all up in this face paint. Those are my open thoughts for the day. Catch me after the break for a word from the word. We are going hardcore in Joshua after the break. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Are you looking for a passionate speaker for your next conference, church function, or fundraiser? Autumn Miles is the right fit for you. As the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministry, a live event ministry, Autumn has not only spoken at events around the country, she has planned and directed them. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she is passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. To find out how you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab, Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. Be sure to follow Autumn on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, I'm back, guys. We are going to dive into Joshua. This is what we're going to talk about today. Sometimes you need to get mad at the no. Sometimes you need to get mad at the no. We are going there today. I'm really feeling this word from the word today. Sometimes we need to understand that when the world tells us no, God 
has told us if we have confirmation from his word, which I, I talk about all the time on the show, when we have confirmation from his word, a personal promise that he has said, yes, this is for you. And the world tells us no, we need to look at that no that the world tells us. And we need to attack that no with faith uh, uh, with the foundation of the word and the power of God that is living in us. Sometimes you got to get mad about the no. This is, this is why I'm so passionate about this. I feel like we've become very passive in the church, in the big C church, in the believer community. I feel like we're accepting no's as final. I feel like we're accepting, oh, well, so-and-so said this, so I am just going to submit to that word. When God has an entire Bible of promises, and even more than that, as I talked about promises a couple weeks ago, he's got personal promises that are set aside for you, and we're assuming the no, we're taking the no as fact, rather than looking at the no and saying, I am not going to receive that no. Because I've got a God who has told me, yes, the situation may be impossible, but I've got a God who specializes in impossibilities. I've got a God who death told him no, and he slapped death in the face, and he resurrected himself from the dead in three days. I serve that God. Why are we all of a sudden, I feel like the pandemic hit and we're all like, all like running around like little scared, little, little kids. Okay. I want some of, some of you guys, and this is not for everybody out there today, but this is a very specific word for somebody today. Um, I, I want you guys, if you feel, if you, if you have a word from the Lord, from his word, if something from his word has um, stood out to you, captivated you, if you are claiming a promise that is in his word, there there are tons of promises in his word that anyone can claim. Uh, of course, we have to go through his process to claim the promise, but there are so many of them out there. and 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 your circumstances are telling you that promise is not going to come to pass. That promise is not going to happen. That promise is outside of the realm of any earthly possibility whatsoever. However, you have a promise. I want to feed, fan, ignite, light a fire, uh, pour some kerosene, kerosene, I don't even know if that makes people, gasoline on your fire today to reverse your thinking, okay, because of this passage. I'm obsessed, you guys. I'm, we're going to go to Joshua 6, and I'm going to read, you know the story. It's very, it's a very, um, it's a very common story. Uh, if you don't know the story, it's about Joshua, who was, who got appointed to, to step into Moses's place. I love, actually, I actually want to read that language to you today. Um, even though it's, it's, it's several chapters back. Um, Joshua one says this. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses servant saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now 
therefore arise and cross this Jordan. I've always loved that language because it's finality. God is putting his mantle on Joshua. He is being very specific with Joshua. Moses is gone. Uh, uh, he, he is to be respected. He is to be honored, but we are moving in a different direction. We are moving towards Canaan. I want you, you to lead my people and I want you to cross this Jordan. So here we have some very strong language in Joshua one and 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 uh, uh, Joshua did that. He led the the Israelites up into the point of going into Canaan, crossing the Jordan, and of course the first city that they took on was Jericho. Now, if you have read my book, I am Rahab. I ex- go through this process exhaustingly. Okay, I studied Joshua one through like twenty five a lot. And I put all of that in the book. So if you want to go a little bit deeper in Joshua and learn about Rahab and learn about the spies and all that kind of stuff, get my book, I Am Rahab. But we are at a point in the scripture where their leader, Joshua, is looking at the army of Israel. And God has told them, I am, am, 100% am going to deliver Jericho into your hands. Now, listen, I'm going to read it to you. Okay. Now Jericho was tightly shut. I took all about this verse and uh, I am Rahab. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went in and no one went out. Okay. It was on guard. Jericho was um, one of the most fortified cities in the land of Canaan because it was uh, uh, right by the Jordan River. And so it was well supplied with water. It was well supplied with resources. Um, it was just a well fortified, well armed city. Okay. They would have more of the modern technology in biblical times than, than technology. It's not technology. Um, modern ways of doing things um, than, than probably any other city in Canaan, just based on where it was located. Okay. That's important to know. It's interesting for me to know that Jericho was probably the hardest city for Israel to go in and conquer because it was so well fortified. It was so well supplied. Okay. Um, and it was tightly shut. Because as we know, they had heard, uh, based on the text, they had heard about the power of the God of the Israelites. They had heard of what he could do. So they were tightly shut. They were scared. And we know that because of Rahab and the conversation that she had with the spies. They were scared of Israel, not because of Israel and not because of the army, because of the God of Israel. So they were doing everything in their power, everything. And I do mean everything to make sure that no one went in the city and no one came out. It was tightly shut. They were not about to let anybody in that city that was a spy. Of course, we knew that uh, the the two spies got around um, their protection, which is a whole nother podcast that I, that I talk about in a later date. Um, but they, they were protecting themselves from the God of Israel because they knew how powerful he was. The God of Israel, our God, was not going to have them go in the city the way Jericho thought they would go in. Our God had an impossible plan that was about to be made possible. 
So I'm going to pick it up over here in Joshua 6, 12. And this is the process that God set aside in order for the Israelites to conquer Jericho. It was not a normal process. It looked ridiculous. It looked stupid. It looked like I imagine the Israelite army were, might have even been talking what in the world are we doing? You ever have those times when God is telling you to do something and you're like, this seems so stupid and so ridiculous, but I'm not going to ask those kind of questions. I'm just going to simply obey. And thank God that is exactly what Israel did. Here's what Joshua tells them to do. Verse 12, Joshua 6, 12. Now Joshua rose early in the morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord, the ark of the Lord, which carried literally the presence of God went before them. That is me ad loving. That's not in the scripture, but I know what the ark of the Lord stands for. Verse 13, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark of the Lord went out continually and blew the trumpets and the armed men went before them and the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord. Hang with me. It's the word of God. It may be boring to you, but I want you to pay attention because this is where the power is. I'm going to pick it up in verse 13. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew the trumpets. And the armed men went before them and the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while they continued to blow their trumpets. Verse 14. The second day, the second day, they, uh, army, marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. So for six days, they left, they marched around the city and they came back and they were, they didn't do anything. They just marched and they came back. They marched and they came back. And that's why I'm saying, I'm sure they were like, what is the point of all this? This is crazy. Uh, this is ridiculous. But God has his way of defeating an impossibility. Uh, the next uh, verse says this, verse 15, then on the seventh day, then on the seventh day, they rose early at the dawning of the day, and marched around the city in the same manner, except they did seven times. Only on that day, they marched around the city seven times. Now, verse 16 says this, at the seventh time, when the priest blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, oh my goodness, it is so marked up in my Bible. Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city shall be under the ban and all of that is in it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot and all those who are with her in the house shall live because she hid the messengers whom you sent. But as for you, keep yourselves from the things under the ban so that you do not covet them and do not take some of the things under the ban. I'm going to skip ahead here really quick. Verse 20. So all the people shouted. So all the people shouted. And the priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great 
shout and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city every man straight ahead and they took the city and they utterly destroyed everything in the city both man and woman youth and ox and sheep and donkey with the sword i want to focus on that one word the people shouted with a great shout. They shouted with a great shout. God was not about to have them go bang on the door and say, excuse me, Jericho, can we come in and totally destroy you and overcome you? God had totally different plans. What looked like the natural thing to do, God was like, this is so hilarious because they think we're going to come through the doors, but actually I'm going to crumble all of the walls so that they have no protection whatsoever. And I am going to make such a point in this story that hundreds and thousands of years later, people will be talking about this on a podcast. Yes, it is impossible to do what I am getting ready to do, but I am God and I am the authority of this conquest. They didn't go in the front door. They shouted with a great shout. They obeyed completely what God had said, not what anyone had told them in their ear. They were completely obedient and reverent to to following the Lord's commands to the letter because that's where the impossible becomes possible. God had told them, yes, their circumstances was telling them no. They had to get mad at the no and obey God to the letter and they found a great Yes, because of it. You guys, several years ago, and this has been several years ago, this is when Grace and Jude were were little. They were little. I remember Eddie and I were facing an impossible situation, and I do mean impossible. Um, We were actually told, uh, this is never going to happen for you. We we actually were told to give up. We were told um, what you're believing for is absolutely not going to happen. But you guys, a couple of months later, God gave me Psalm 37 and God promised me via his word that he was going to come through for me. He promised me. And I remember sitting in the, my husband was a youth pastor at that time. And I remember sitting outside, um, of the church and uh, Grace and Jude were in the back. Jude was a baby, a baby, baby. He's 12 now in their car seats and they're like, you know, watching Dora the Explorer or something like that. And Eddie told me, he was like, they're saying it's impossible. And I got, I had about a 30 minute drive home and I, um, I was so just mad. I was so sick of praying prayers that were weak and passive. I knew what God had told me. I did not get it wrong. I knew what God had told me. I don't know what came over me that day. I had 30 minute drive home. Um, But rather than just praying, oh Lord, thank you for this day, whatever. I got so mad at the no, because I knew God had told me yes. I started literally, now I don't recommend this all the time, uh, but there are certain circumstances when you have got to get mad at the no, because, because what I wrote down in my notes, which is so incredibly, I, I think is so good. A small amount of faith is stronger than a large amount of evil. I had a tiny amount of faith that day. 
And I started yelling and I started yelling and crying out to the Lord in a great shout. And I was telling the Lord, you told me this. You promised me this. You're the one who I believed because you told me. I believe because you told me to. I am not going to let this thing go until I see what you have promised me. I was shouting. I was doing a great shout. I was like getting all in there. And I remember looking back at my kids and their eyes were like wide open. I'm like, mommy loves you so much. I'm just talking to the Lord right now. You know, and I'm, I'm, I am getting mad at the no, because I knew what God had told me, what the Israelites did in this case, when it talks about, they shouted with a great shout. It's the word ruah in the Hebrew, ruah, ruah. That is how you pronounce it in the Hebrew. And sometimes we yell because we're scared. Sometimes we're, we, we shout because someone uh, literally scares us. Sometimes we shout in fear. Sometimes we shout in anxiety. Sometimes we, uh, we just shout because we're angry. This was a very specific kind of shout that the Israelites did. They weren't shouting because they were scared. They weren't shouting just to shout. They weren't shouting because uh, they were angry at anyone. The word ruah in the Hebrew is a triumphant shout, a war cry, an alarm, alarm in battle, a shout for joy. To split the ears with sound is exactly what the shout meant. They were not shouting in um, defeat. They were shouting with a battle cry of joy, knowing that even though the walls weren't down yet, God was going to come through. And sometimes we have got to get serious about these things that we're praying about. And we have got to uh, shout with ruah, with um, a great war cry at those things that God wants to give us, but they seem to be impossible. I told the Lord that day in the car, I said, Lord, You've got to turn the situation around in three days. And I was bold. I I was like, it was super bold. 24 hours later, and this is a real story from my real life. And it is in the book, Gangster Prayer. 24 hours later, we get a phone call. And the spirit was actually speaking to me uh, the next day pretty loud. Um, I, I shouted at him and he was, he wasn't shouting at me, but he was really uh, speaking pretty loud. 24 hours later, we got a call that changed the entire situation and what everyone in the human wrapped in skin had told us was impossible. God made a way. There is something about this Ruah war cry or you're not crying in fear, you're not crying in anxiety, you're not crying in anger. You are crying in triumph. You are shouting in triumph because you know what God has said to you. And you know, no matter what it looks like, he's going to come through. This story of Jericho is legendary because they shouted with a great shout of triumph. It's legendary. We will teach our kids and our kids will teach their kids and their kids and so on and so forth. This story will continue to go on in generations because someone named Joshua and the Israelites at that time had the audacity not to accept the no of impossibility. My challenge to you today is stop being so passive. 
There's an invitation in scripture that says, come boldly, boldly before the throne of grace. I think that has been so watered down and so disrespected. It is a literal invitation to come boldly with a war cry before the Lord, letting your requests be known in the throne room of heaven. It's us that taper down and and tamper down and, and wet blanket that war cry. It's us that do that. God is saying, come on, I've got all the power that you need. I can handle your war cry. I'm going to do something amazing through it. It's us. It's us that don't take him up on that invitation. That was a literal miracle that happened in my life. And I think we need believers to do this right now. Remember this, a small amount of faith, small, is stronger than a large amount of evil. Ruah is the Hebrew word. I hope this encourages you guys today. I'll be back right after the break for a question from one of you. Does it seem like God is answering everyone's prayers but yours? Do you want to see results from your prayer life? Do you feel as if you are a professional Christian with an amateur prayer life? If so, Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer, is for you. Autumn Miles wrote Gangster Prayer because she herself experienced disappointment from years of praying with little results. Gangster Prayer will show you how to unlearn bad habits in prayer and build your prayer life on a foundation of faith and not doubt. Get your copy of Gangster Prayer today at autumnmiles.com or anywhere books are sold. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, guys, we are back from the break. I've got a question from you. This is a question from Angie. Angie, hey, girl, hey, what's up? Uh, this is an awesome question. And you guys' questions are very um, similar. I, I found doing this for so long, all the questions that come in, they kind of have the same flavor. I'm going to take a little bit different. Um, I feel like I've said probably what my answer is going to be multiple times on the show, but I'm going to take a little bit different approach to this one. Angie asked this question. I've been waiting for decades, for decades, for God to answer a specific prayer in my life. I've been told to stand still. I've been told to hang on, but also that maybe I'm not ready for it. How do I figure out the difference after decades of praying, if I should hold on, move on, or if I'm not ready? This is a great question, um, and Angie, and I will tell you this. I've talked about the scriptural confirmation so many times on the show. If God gives you a promise through his word, you stand on that, not, not necessarily what everybody else tells you. But I want to I wanna cherry pick something out of your question. I want to talk about it. Um, what if I'm not ready? What if I'm not ready? I want to talk about that just for a second. It would not be a good God that gave us something prematurely. I'm just going to, no one wants to hear that. No, like (laughs) that's not going to get a lot of clicks, but I feel like I have a responsibility to say that God would not be good if he gave us something prematurely that would crush us. That would not be a good God. God sees The end from the beginning, which means he sees exactly where we are when we are desperately praying for something. 
He sees exactly where we need to be before we can receive that thing in a healthy place. He could be preparing you for it, but um, he also could be preparing it for you. Sometimes I don't think that that we have the calendar in our mind or the timetable in our mind that when we start praying for something, God has to prepare it for us. Um, when we start praying for maybe a husband or, or a job or something like that, there are things that naturally have to happen in order for the process to play out, in order for him to give us that thing that we're praying for. So that could be a reason for a delay answer to prayer. It's not a no, it's just a way. I'm working on it, okay? Sometimes he has to prepare it for us. My sister, um, she was uh, 41 when she got married and we're like, she's awesome. Like, she's so cute. She loves the Lord, blah, blah, blah. She was like, you know, the most incredible bachelorette out there. She was very available and very like, like she wasn't, she was ready. She was a catch. And I remember telling her about five years before she met who she's married to now, I remember I remember telling her, I would just really think that your husband is not at a place right now where he can even meet you. He's tied up. And that's exactly what was going on. God was preparing him for her, okay? We didn't even know. We didn't know why the delay. We had been praying for literally decades for that child to get married, and she did last year. But we didn't know what God saw and what God was doing behind the scenes. Also, he could be preparing you for it. Um, God told me in 2003 that he was going to give me a ministry and he kind of gave me the scope. It was um, it was a really beautiful vision that he gave me. God, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed about that sure word that I had from the Lord. It wasn't until 2010 that it even began to materialize in an actual ministry. And I look back now and I say to the Lord, thank you. Because if God would have given me the things that I was desperately praying for prematurely, I fear they would have maybe tanked my marriage. They would have um, not been good for me. So I look back now and I say, thank you, Lord. I needed to grow. I needed to mature. I needed to get to know you more. I needed to be humbled a lot. I needed to listen and to learn from other people. There were so many things that I needed to do. I didn't even realize the scope of what I was praying for. So Angie, I'm not saying that's you, but I just feel like it's a, it's a broad answer for a lot of people that might be listening. Sometimes God delays. He delays. He does that. He can do that. He's God. And you're going to have to seek him to find out exactly maybe why the delay. But I will tell you, those are two reasons. He is preparing it for you or he's preparing you for it. And God is too good to give us something prematurely that would ruin us rather than better us. Okay. I hope this helps. Hey guys, love you guys so much. Check out all my socials. Send me some DMs. I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to get to know you um, even more than, uh, I feel like I already know you guys. I feel like I, like you're all my best buddies, but reach out, let us know. What do you want to hear on the show? Send me questions in my DMs, or you can um, email at hello at autumnmiles.com. Love you guys. I will see you next week right back here. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. 
There, you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show. (laughs) 